Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. A little bit of housekeeping before we kick off. Uh, this is the conversation we had on Sunday as part of our Sunday show for our members where we break down the news of the week. But there was a special section in the last sort of, 25 minutes where Sam McElwain, the our friend up in the attic, our, the loyalist unionist and co-host of Shrapnel podcast, talked about the three days he had at Queen's University in Belfast for the 25-year agreement uh, celebrations. And the people he met, and it's a really fascinating conversation, so I thought we'd put that out to everybody rather than keep it behind the paywall. If you want the full podcast, the additional, I think it's whatever, twenty the first 25 minutes, they're available now on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. I also want to thank you all for the support over the last couple of weeks in relation to the podcast, particularly we did with uh, Dr. Raheel and then the reaction to our podcast with the lads from the ditch. Yes, we went out early. We were well ahead of the mainstream, shall we say, but it's nice to know that everything that has come out in the meantime is fully supported by the reporting that the lads did and that I won't be getting any legal letters because everything we did, we followed up with due diligence. I just wish that there had been a reaction quicker. I do need to ask you for your support. I would love you guys to join us on the Patreon feed. All of our podcasts are there, be it Reboot or Echo or Glow West or a new season of Shrapnel, which is coming soon. It's got a fabulous guest list lined up. And we've put out the fourth episode of Lost in Implementation by Emma D'Souza. It's a bit strange. If you told me a couple of years ago that um, a uh, a little podcast platform in Dublin would be producing two podcasts based out of Northern Ireland, I wouldn't have believed you. But here we are nonetheless. And I love working with both Emma and the lads in Shrapnel. All of those are available on Patreon dot com for slash tortoise shack it is the price of a cup of coffee and maybe a scone once a month to you but it literally pays our bills it is the only way to keep the mics on and the show is going i do want to address the fallout post the ditch interview and how i've been a bit pissed off with certain aspects of what is a right-wing media ecosystem when i say a right-wing media ecosystem i do not mean that the individuals within it are necessarily right-wing i simply say that the the networks and the platforms and the corporate interests that they serve are based on a capitalist model that their voices are used to sell advertising so within that there is editorial control and there are constraints on what is and is not reported they can sit around and lie to themselves and say that's not the case but it is true that is you are part of providing the means of production and if that if you are linked to those that is the way it goes it's why I have to do the Patreon shoutouts because we want to avoid that. I don't want ads or sponsors. I don't want any corporate interests telling me what I can and cannot do. I don't even have to think that maybe that I pull punches there because there's an ad coming up from AIB or whoever the bloody hell is. So I was very disappointed with some individuals who took the criticism to heart and took it personally. That's on you. If you feel that some of the things that we've said stings, Maybe it's because you think that it resonates with some of the things, times that you've actually pulled a punch or you've said, maybe I don't go as hard on this or maybe I should have pushed harder. Maybe I should have doorstepped that TD. Maybe I should have went down to Limerick. Maybe I should have gotten onto Limerick County Council and demanded the information that I needed. That's on you. Don't put it on people in the tortoise shack. Don't put it on me. Don't put it on the lads in the ditch. 
Myself and the lads in the ditch, we fight all the time. Myself and Martin, we fight all the time. I don't mind. That's okay. It dissent is healthy. It should be part of it. But don't get so thin-skinned that you lash out and then call anybody who's criticising you uh, conspiracy theorists. It's not a conspiracy to say that there is shit journalism out there. There is a lot of shit journalism out there. There's a lot of people who use palace intrigue and WhatsApp groups uh, with rumours to, to pass off as journalism. The Ditch didn't invent FOI. Ken Fox and, and Roy Tano, they've been at it for years. And what The Ditch have done is just an evolution of that. So there's nothing new in this. That's journalism. The other thing is also journalism as well. Palace intrigue and the, go- and the gossip and rumours and all. It absolutely is because there's a huge audience for it. There's a huge audience for it. And people obviously enjoy the who said what, who gave out about who, and all of this nonsense that doesn't appeal to me. It just doesn't. But don't get thin-skinned about it. If that's what you do, own it. If that's your career trajectory, own it. You are part of the right-wing media ecosystem. I am not saying you are right-wing. I'm simply saying that is the field that you choose to plough. That's not my problem. That's yours. My problem is actually trying to make a left-wing media ecosystem work, and it's bloody well not happening. So as I criticise you, just realise I'm saying it from a point of I'm hugely unsuccessful. The tortoise shack is not doing very well. The tortoise shack is not viable. I, we don't knock it out of the park in terms of income. We have no way of seeing if we'll be here in three months, never mind three years. I understand that. But I still don't want to go into that field. So don't knock me for that. Anyway, that's a bit of a rant that I didn't even anticipate having, but I hope it makes sense. Um, one last little thought experiment for listeners is... Um, and it's quite Maybe it'll give you a laugh, because it certainly made me laugh. A listener got in touch with me and uh, pointed something out to me. So here's the little trick for you. If you go to irishtimes.com and in the top left-hand corner, there's a little magnifying glass, little search bar. So if you click on that, it'll bring you to the to the other page that brings you in where you can type in what you're searching for. If you type in the word plagiarism, it will bring you up related topics. Please do that for a laugh and let me know what was the first thing it brought up as the highlighted the top of the related topics when you typed in plagiarism on irishtimes.com in its search bar? Let me know. You can tweet it at me. You can send it to me on the tortoise shack. Whatever you want to do. I got a great laugh out of it. I enjoyed it. As petty as I am, just, just indulge me for this moment. So with that in mind, I'm going to hand it back to the podcast we had with Sam McElwain, the co-host of Shrapnel who absolutely played a blinder in the three days in Queen's University in Belfast. And you're going to hear conversations that include Sam bumping into none other than, say, Jerry Adams, Jamie Bryson, Bertie Ahern, and discussing Coddle. Give it a listen. Let's talk about the, the last few days that you had um, where you were, I'm going to say, uh, rubbing shoulders with the great good and, and the very bad. But <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, tell me about this now, Sam. No, I, I so, heard rumours. But, but like, it, it was just for people. Obviously, we, we've, we've, we've uh, a podcast out there at the moment called Lost and Lost Implementation, uh, hosted by Emma D'Souza. Sam, you're a, you're a guest in an upcoming, epi- in an upcoming episode. Yeah. And it is about the unfinished work of the Good Friday Agreement slash Belfast Agreement, whatever you have in yourself. I don't really care what you call it. Um, but it's about the unimplemented uh, promises and the, the, the gaps in it. There was an element of obviously part of this celebration of the last 10, 15 days of backslapping. And, you know, we're all, aren't we all great guys? Didn't we get the job done? 
that obviously doesn't sit well with uh, the, some which with the last thirty minutes we've been talking about the situations on the ground in Northern Ireland and, and the yeah. situation. So, tell me what you took away from the actual meeting and uh, oh well the, the the speakers and what sort of political direction do you think this is going? I think the overall thing that I I got from it was in '98 we had an alignment of the stars. And we had a lot of influential people in the same room pulling in the same direction for the same cause. Um, and with that, we had a lot of gifted politicians who were willing to take a chance. The spirit was there. Um, whether the spirit was because they were just sick of the death on a daily basis, or whether the spirit was a general, a, a genuine um, feeling of reconciliation, take what you away. But we got a job done, but we stopped. It's as if we had a project and what we did, we, we did the planning and then everybody went for coffee and nobody came back to actually put the plan in operation. And that's what we have done with the Good Friday Agreement. We, and Emma's uh, lost in implementation. It's perfect. It is. We, we haven't implemented half of what we should have implemented. I mean, even guys that I'm now speaking to who were loyalist activists back in the day, who were involved in the political parties, who were sitting at the table, who never got an invite, who still don't get recognition for the, for the work that they did. Um, are saying we, we didn't follow through and then we changed the rules so that we didn't have the smaller parties who actually drove this in the first instance we squeezed them out and now we're wondering why it's not working when the only time that it did work is when we brought those smaller parties on board so see i, I agree with you sam and I, what struck me about the, the 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 whole week that has gone on is that it has focused very much on the personalities who were involved instead of saying well really what happened is that the, the the people who live in Northern Ireland, all of the people who live in Northern Ireland came together to make this happen. The politicians were just figureheads. It couldn't have happened without the the ground. It couldn't have. And I think this what they've done is exactly what they did with the, the repeal thing. They've glammed it up. They said, Here the, here's the few main mover and shakers and these are the guys that made it happen well no that's not the case well, the, the only, I will say on repeal because it's, it's it's timely the abortion review um, came back and made a set of recommendations that we were hoping they would make and the Taoiseach said oh I don't know about that no you've we, just, we, you've we, just you've, no you've just hired experts to tell you what you what we should be doing and you're immediately saying I'm uncomfortable with this I have to Martin I have to just let me do this this is the same man who said you know, he actually made the, before he had a Damascene conversion and supported the repeal movement, he did say getting an abortion was like lads going to Amsterdam for a lads weekend. He did say yeah. that yeah. in yeah. the doll. So so it's important we put that in thing. But let's go back to what's, so there was a lot of good stuff said though on those yeah. few days. I mean, I, I thought it was thoroughly unfair to let George Mitchell go so early in, in the process because he blew them away. You know, there was nothing going to follow that speech. Um and he spoke from a place where not many can speak from because he was so instrumental, so knowledgeable, so calm. Um, but he also had no he had no plan that was hidden from everybody else. He wasn't in it for himself. He was there to do a job because he was asked by the President of the United States and he came here and he listened. And he was the first guy to come and did listen. And he was the first guy to come along and say, well, you know, I need to listen to everybody. You can't tell me who I can and cannot listen to. I will take everybody into the room. And I will have a chat with him. And he did. Um, so I asked people to follow And is, is it true that he told the story about saying he basically was thinking this isn't getting anywhere, sitting back on a plane, and he went, actually, you know, we need to give these guys a hard deadline. 
Yeah. And it just was coincidental that it fell on a Good Friday. It was just literally, it, it, people think it was some sort of strategy. It, it wasn't. It was just this kind of, Jesus, I'm not going to get anywhere. Actually, you know what I'll do is I'll give them, I'll tell them this is the hard the hard deadline, even if he didn't really believe it himself at the time. I think what he thought was we're going around in circles because the talks have been going on for years. I mean, mm-hmm. people think the talks happened six weeks before Good Friday. In fact, maybe they've been going for years. People, uh, Hume Adams talks were in the background there was talks going on in back rooms of clubs in the shankle there was stuff happening all the time um, and people were, were again people who didn't get any sort of credit at all were running back channels and they were taking huge risks at the time uh, clergymen politicians community right workers it, there was oh, there was a list a mile long we actually sat one day uh, me and a friend from up the road a guy called Jackie Redpath who ran the, the Save the Save Our Shankle campaign back in the 70s uh, he sat with me and we went through a list of names and it was just the names that we could name and okay. uh, there was dozens and like these guys give everything um, I think what they tried to do this time was address the the 20th, 20th anniversary where they near enough eliminated all women from the process that's true yeah and they, and they tried to redress it with this one and there was a high emphasis on the, the role of the women play and I would say that yeah they, they, they could have given it more because they, they played such a large drive especially the women's coalition um, but it was one of those conferences where some of the talks especially the, the one the closing day with uh, George Bill and Tony on the stage you could have heard that on a golf course anywhere you know it was just three guys shooting the breeze about mm. one what happened and how good obviously still good friends um, and still in, in contact but there were other talks that were given throughout the day where especially the second day the leaders talk on stage it got feisty it did get feisty um, and I think that highlighted where the Good Friday Agreement has fallen down that yes we can sit and say it's glory and I, I spoke to you I spoke to you an ambassador from another country just over a coffee a, a chat and he was saying how they wanted to use the blueprint. And I said, well, if you're going to use the blueprint, look at the things that went wrong first. Mm. Fix those before you even start to put the blueprint into operation. Look at our weaknesses. Look at where we've fallen apart and mm. do that first. I, you, now, when you say feisty, mm-hmm. do you think we brought, by having that in a public forum, some of those conversations that undoubtedly happen um, in the normal course of, of, of rough and tumble politics, but by having them in a public forum... Did it bring us any closer to actually seeing the political stalemate um, uh, ending? Um, no. Like, you guys know what my views are in the DUP, okay? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a lover of the DUP. But even I was starting to feel a bit uncomfortable how they be, were being attacked, especially during that one panel. It was getting to the point where if you keep pushing these guys, they're not going to come back out of that corner. You've got to give them room. You've got to step back and let them come out of it. You've got to give them enough breathing space and wiggle room to negotiate a way out of that corner because at the minute, all you're doing is pressing harder. And it, it, it did actually, I'm starting to feel slightly as if people were being bullied. Um, and that that shows where the politics were. But the, the DUP representative on stage at the time was Emma Little Pingeli. She wasn't talking to the people in the Whitla Hall that day. She was talking to people who were listening in online. That's where her voter base was. Mm-hmm. And as I said, outside the people... The DUP have a mandate, and whether I agree with them or not, on any ship, things to say, i got to listen to what they're, they're saying, because 260,000 people have voted for them. You've got to listen to what they're saying and what they're doing, and, and talk to them, and say, what can we do to help? How can we rectify this? Now, there'll be people out there going, we've done everything, and all we do is listen to them. I get that. Patients are getting very, very thin at the minute. Um, particularly in the UK, Sam. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. 
Um, but I, I think what what you're seeing now is 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 an animal that is backed into the corner and doesn't know how to escape that corner. So we've but, got to get them. But let's go back to the last conversation me and you had. Then does does a relatively okay performance in the local elections that are that are the campaign is is going on now because we've got we we should have probably said this that the DUP people taking those stage they're also cognizant that that right now they've candidates in the field who are out canvassing looking for votes if if they see they can move the needle on that maybe is that the the, the real the real barometer that they'll test the waters to see if then it's time to actually make a move because I, you know because the alternative then is that if that doesn't happen and Martin you're right to point out especially in the UK because you know the Windsor framework was sold to us as this was the way it was going to be done and it's now just a, it's it's like um, it's an agreement that's been sat sat upon and looked at it and said no we'll just we'll sit on that until the timing suits us so are we any closer in terms of in terms of getting there post May and the general election, or the local elections, I would say yes. Um, I don't sit in any rooms with the DUP inner circle and listen to their plans. But if I was to look at the language being used in the last seven to ten days, I would say there may be some movement here. It, it's not a softening of their stance, but I think it's a realistic approach they're starting to look at now. Where maybe, maybe they can work with the Windsor framework and see what they can get out of it. Um, but there was a chicken and egg moment where they discussed, should we get the institutions up and going and then look at reform or should we reform and get the institutions up and going? Um, I would say in the short term, we need to get the institutions up and going because of the, the, the issues that we discussed earlier. They need to be taken care of now. They, they haven't got time to wait while we debate what reform is and how it should be reformed and when it should be reformed. Um, but is that not a tactic? Sam, that's a tactic that we've seen time and time and time. It's a 25-year tactic we've seen, honestly, if we're going to be honest about it. It is yeah. a tactic. You know, at some stage, it's piss or get off the pot, Sam. It simply is. Yeah, but it's, what does get off the pot look like? Um, who, who takes over the big boys again? It's, we, we, listen, what we, don't, what we have isn't perfect, but what we have is workable. And, and it all matters, whether it be the institutions or the Windsor Framework, both are workable. Um. I had, oh, there were some surreal moments from this week. At one moment, I was speaking to Jamie Bryson on a bench in the quad. And then the next moment, I was discussing things with Jerry Adams. I, you, you don't, I, I don't see how this goes. Um, it was, <laughs> I met the future president of Ireland. I wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the next election. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and twice, I met him twice. Uh, um, a good chat. So, Sam and Sam and Bertie are now on what on a WhatsApp group. Oh, That's yes, on the roller decks. Uh, oh, yeah, there's no problem at all. Um, the big B, he just has it under the big B. No, it's called he has it under uh, what is it? Point of bass or what, was it bass he used to drink? It <laughs> no, it, it was. It was. <laughs> uh, listen, he, he did. He did tell me that the best coddle is no longer available because all the old hands are down out and who made proper coddle. The oh stuff you guys are getting down there isn't proper. But that's that's. By the way, um, yeah, there was a lot of positive stuff came out of it. Um, there was a lot of re-emphasizing of where we need to go and what what chance that we had back in '98 and what we can do if we actually look at doing it again. Um, there were some negatives that came out of it, but the negatives aren't something that we don't already know about. You know, they're, they're yeah. and then there was and then it, it gave us a chance also to discuss other ideas, and, and it was good to be in a in a place where there were so many different ideas and to be able to stand and have a chat without the glare of the cameras 
and the makes. I, I hope you don't, and I'm not going to ask you to, to, to say anything that, that you say you're betraying confidence, of, but how do you end up sitting with Jamie Bryson and thinking, you know, this is the, this is a, you know, a Twitter persona generally, because that's what he is in, in to most people's mind. He's a Twitter persona. And then, and then put that to the actual, because we often know that, you know, there's, there's a huge difference between the person who tweets these things and the person who you actually meet and sit face to face and how they react. So how, how, how was that interaction? Listen, I, I've been around people who other people wouldn't stomach chatting to for, for generations. Um, I, I work with one. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I mean, the story I just told there, one moment I was speaking to Jamie and the next was Jerry. So some people would be asking the other question, how could you stand and talk to Jerry? Fair, a very fair point. Yeah. I, a, a fair, but I suppose... Bertie is the one that gets me. Well, yeah. See, yeah. So, so, but these these people do have a voice, and whether it be an elected mandate, whether it be past experiences, or whether it be social media influence. But to talk to, not to talk to them is to leave them in that vacuum. Um at least if I talk to them, I can get my ideas over. We may not agree at the final bit of it, but at least we can exchange ideas and I can hear somebody out and they can hear me out. Uh, I did say to Jamie on, on the first day that we have similar ideas in some things, but we disagree on a lot and we have different approaches. Mm-hmm. But on that basis, do you want to have a chat at lunchtime? And he did. Fair play to him, he did. He, he came and had a chat. Um, and the same goes for quite a few others. I mean, um, I spoke to Matthew O'Toole mm. and I was like... Is he SDLP, isn't he? Yes, yeah. And shamelessly, I said, you got to come on the Shrapnel podcast. Of course he did. Yeah, and he, and he said, yeah, no problem. I said, he said, what are you going to ask me? I said, I want to ask you about those tweets that caused the uproar. And mm-hmm. we discussed the planter tweets. And I said, look, I'm not going to judge because I know where you were coming from with that tweet. I didn't take offense at it. But we need to look at language. That's what we want to talk about is the language. So we were. Ta- I was talking to people that some people would look at and go, how could you? How could you even be in the same room? Mm. And that and that is everybody I spoke to. I think there were maybe two people I spoke to the whole time. I was there. The people that go, oh yeah, yeah, that that's that's fair enough. The rest, somebody will have an issue with because we all have opinions on people. Okay. Um, and and Jamie, fair play to him, said I'll come on the podcast. Now I have no idea what what we'll cover, but I, I think something along the lines of how social media influences votes may be the best thing because I I I would I I would I would say if you were if you're being honest. That there's a there's a great way of 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 where you're going to have a conversation with with him. You will have to you know brush up on what you're gonna what you're gonna talk about because someone like and again same as if you were like we've I remember Martin we were talking about talking to Jerry Adams and at the time I remember saying to you I'm just I'm just not really interested in the, in that like and if I'm not interested in it then I don't want the listener to to have to indulge me just before just so I can say this is Jerry Adams if that makes sense you yeah. know. Um, and very much like that, like you know, when you see these these people, it's you know the the one and only time we were we were supposed to interview Leo Varadkar was when he was up the road in Ballymun and his press officer that could come by here and, and come down. Me and Martin stood around for forty five minutes and got let down. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and 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 then someone says, "Oh, we can do it now in the summer," and you're going, "Well, that was I wanted to talk to you pre this, you know." And anyway, look, for long and short of it, the Finnegal press office don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> but, 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 but like, I just you know, look, I just think it's fair play to you first of all. The the uh, the overall sense of twenty five years on is I'm going to be really negative here now and say we'll be back in thirty years anniversary and we'll say, aren't we great lads? Now we've included someone else and we've brought some of the people who we forgot to bring for twenty five years and we haven't done any of those reforms that you said, Sam, are badly needed. 
yeah, um, that that is the worry. Um, the other worry is that the DUP changed stance. We have an up and going executive after the May elections, and the circle starts again, and we end up next year somebody else walks out for another reason, or we don't put the reforms in place. I mean, somebody made the suggestion about uh, increasing the number of seats again, and uh, in, in in reform. I agree with that, but we've got to put a quota in there that say that they have to come from the smaller parties or independents. Because if we increase the seats and all we do is fill them with more DUP bums, Sinn Féin bums, the SDLB You're bums. talking about PR then, really, aren't you, Sam? Yeah, yeah. And we have PR in council elections. We, and, and to a certain extent, the MLAs are, are elected on PR anyway. But we need to be split that maybe along the Welsh system, have a named list as well. Um, there's got to be a way of where we can ensure that smaller voices are heard. As again, as they had 98, we had those small voices. 98, mm. it worked. We need those small voices back in the room again. And, and they were wiped out then afterwards? Politically wiped out afterwards, yep. Squeezed out and St Andrews didn't help with that at all. No. Again, we, we need to be looking at why St Andrews was implemented and can we undo that mess? Well, Jesus. it is a mess though, isn't it, Sam? It, it just, is. It's just, it's a mess. That's yeah. just an awful mess. But the, the, other, the other thing is, it, it is a mess, but what's the other option that we have? Mm. You know, and I've seen the other option up close and personal. And well, I'll take, I'll okay, take the mess. Okay, I will say, I will say, to Joe offer six billion, and we've ten billion of a surplus down here. If if mines came together and there was a way to do it, the money is not an issue, Sam. Um, yeah, we I discussed money the other day because I, I tried to get a hold of, of Joe Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> he was talking about investing, and I I asked a couple of people to get me an introduction, and they all asked him sort of question, what is your question? He needs to know in advance what the question's going to be. So my question was, if you're going to bring large amount of money into Northern Ireland, where's it going? Yeah. And it, it's got to come into the right areas for the right people. Of course. And it's got to come into the working class areas so they actually see a peace dividend because they haven't. You know, it's it's just not there. If you're going to bring in, if you're going to come in and create tech jobs, that's great. But the people who are educated for those tech jobs aren't the guys that are leaving the schools in the working class areas of Belfast. You know, they're not... We're failing them at educational level. We're not preparing them for that job. Think think about it, and I'm going to be really. Let's if you got really ambitious for Northern Ireland, and you think of how successful they've been with offshore wind energy in in Scotland, and you think about if you took that money and you said actually we could have apprenticeships for 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 greening jobs for for you know retrofitting homes, re- uh, making sure that we're going to build offshore and wind energy. We're going to do all of these things that are that are within our power and then we'd own the infrastructure and I mean this in a way that you could say it's not a it's not a, a UK there is actually a dividend exactly and and as long term I mean Martin we'd take their hands off uh, to if if, the, if 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 you were successfully like we know that there's a lot of con- contractors that come and help in the construction industry in, in the south all the time imagine if we had people who we knew that were actually going to help us retrofit the homes that we need done all of those things those look we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves but i just think yes you're right martin to point out that the money should not be the but it's not i don't think i mean i go back to the i think it was the irish times article that said yeah can we really afford the north it'll mean a, a half percent drop in your living standards like Really and truly, is this, is this the line that we decide? Is ah, this... yeah, but that's to that's to to the rugby dads. I think Leinstertainment is the answer to all the quizzes they got. I mean, it's it's an issue of the heart, Sam. Before anything else, it's an issue of the heart. The North is an issue of the which, heart. which is which is why Sam doesn't agree with us. Yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> my, my heart lies in a different direction than your heart. Oh, sorry, do you have a heart? 
they removed it yet. <laughs> it's, but, it's, like, it's like the Grinch, that little tiny wizened raisin in his chest. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're, we're discussing sort of the upcoming elections with their council. I would like to see councillors elected on things they could actually impact on and not not sort of elected on whether or they stand for the Windsor agreement. They're not because they they're not they're not going to impact on that. They're not going to impact on on the big ticket things that they think they are. The councillors are elected. Are they going to keep the litter clear? Are they going to pick up the dog nest? Is my bins going to work? Street lights there. Let's look at the stuff that we can do with councillors. When it comes to time to elect the MLA, that's when we start asking those questions again because our councillors won't. The only thing it's going to be used for is a head count to say. We got more councillors this time, so they all agree with what we're saying. Well, we no. can't we can't slag you for that. We have the same crap goes on down here, and we can't slag you for that, Sam. It goes on down here as well, you yeah. know. And it does. It does. I mean, they're going to be asked questions and for gifts that they can't give. Um, oh, yeah. Thing, yeah, things they can't produce. So, if you're going to vote in the north. In the next couple of weeks, vote for councillors that are actually going to work in your your DEA. I just we need to wrap it up. It's, we've gone over time in it, but thanks so much, Sam. Again, and and it was you seem to have really played a blinder. Thank God it was you up there and not the other fella, the bald fella, trying to talk to people because he'd have me. He'd have been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think he would have got arrested. There was enough snipers knocking about something. But it yeah, it does. It does. And I, just an anecdote to to wind us up. It does remind me of back in the day when they were all sitting around the table and. Bert Hearn. Somebody tells this story about Bertie Hearn. He's sitting at this table with hard men from all sides. And somebody turned around to him and said, well, you're actually the only person at the table who hasn't killed somebody. You know, he was the only person at the table who hadn't killed somebody. Now, when you go back and look at the talks, that it has moved from that grassroots where you were bringing in hard men from all sides and getting agreements, putting people to sit down and put down the guns and sit down. It's moved to to a different stratosphere now and it seems to have lost the I suppose the buy-in the the broader buy-in from people and it seems to have, and the impetus has been lost 25 years is an awful long time not to follow through it's an awful long time not to follow through Sam what can I say you did play a blinder well it, it was a, it was one of those events that I had ideas that were, things were going to happen and none of them happened and what happened instead was far better you know the people I, I spoke to, yeah, different ideas, different backgrounds, di- different hopes for the future. But we were able to discuss it. We were able to sit and have a chat. You know, it it was it was definitely um, a situation that, that the queens have enabled, but not for the reasons they thought they had enabled. Um, what went on the stage, most of it was window dressing and stuff for the cameras and. It was a great success as a as an event to organise and to run, but some of the stuff come off it was just rubbish. Um, God help them, trying to do thirty. I, I I hope I hope we're in a situation that the thirtieth anniversary comes round that we have a functioning government, and that if we have to bring guests back, we can actually discuss what's going on within that government and not what we're missing out on. Just uh, before we wrap, I do want it. I know it's not a big story, but it's yet again another example of how the the dysfunction in the Green Party in in the South is is that uh, Councillor Liam Quaid uh, has resigned. He um, he's a Cork councillor and he's been doing great work trying to himself and Nessa Hergan trying to help with the story around Ona Curra. You might be familiar with it, Martin, and the mm-hmm. work that's gone on there. And they've been unsuccessful. They felt that they haven't gotten there. Nessa, as we know, is currently suspended. 
but there was an interesting thing where he actually said in his um in his resignation that uh, that you know that the injustice the broader the broader not to, not looking after people suffering from injustice tenants facing homelessness due to the lifting of the eviction ban mother and baby home survivors excluded from redress on an arbitrary basis healthcare workers with long covid left in limbo regarding their financial security that's just one little paragraph from it and it does speak to that element that when we spoke to nessa that there's very much uh, two green parties, but I don't think there is anymore. I think that's the end of that. We now know that that's the official saying that, that that those values, unfortunately, weren't supported within the party. And Liam has stepped down. He'd probably disagree with me and he'll feel free to say, Liam, you'll probably listen to this. You'll send me a WhatsApp calling me names. Fair play, pal. But you're gone anyway. You've left. You're gone as an independent. More power to you. But at the same time, I think if you're if you're still within the green party and you're reading that and it doesn't trouble you, um, well, then you've you've made your bed, and you're you're not just lying in it. You're 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 sleeping in it happily, soundly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I can't even say you know I pissed the greens off because I'm I'm just I have absolutely no hope for them. They are classes. Sorry, I can't even say it. Let's not go there. Let's Sam, just one last thing. You're going to have a chance to meet somebody else. Um, I hear Trump is on his way over uh, next month. Visit. Listen, so, listen. I I will talk to you, anybody. Um. So if, if he wants to come down and appear on Shrapnel, we'll, we'll, we'll make space for him. We will. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's my favourite? Uh, my my favourite my favorite Trump nickname is the, the what is it? The, the Nectarine Noriega. Let, let, let him go. Well, it, it is a fact he is coming. He's going to do a visit to Ireland. Be interesting to see the reception he gets compared to the reception Joe Biden get, got. Has Ireland not suffered enough? Come on. No, no. Oh. No, we've had enough. That's it. Right, folks, we'll leave it there. We will have the lads from the ditch, as promised. Uh, we have Dan Nickstrom in Helsinki. Uh, and uh, we'll probably be going back to this an amazing story about journalists who got together uh, after the killing of a Colombian journalist and how they got together and did the work that wasn't done by authorities in, in, in a few jurisdictions to try and bring justice to it. And I read it in El Pais, El Pais is, is how you're supposed to pronounce it. But anyway, and who writes for them, Martin? Nicholas de Leal. And who, right. who, who's the Colombian basing? Nicholas de Leal. Nicholas, so, yeah. so, 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 so Nicholas will join us to talk about that story. It's an incredible, incredible story of, of people stepping up when uh, the state uh, failed. So looking forward to that conversation as well. Talk to you all very, very soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber Podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.